last week we spoke about uh, the, uh, God's unfathomable love. And God's love is bottomless. It is deep. Uh, the love of God is wide. There's nothing the Bible says that can separate you from the love of God. And there's nothing that can detach you from God's love. No matter what is taking place, God will always love you. God will always be there for you. God will always help you. God will always walk alongside of you. And I ask myself, it's, it seems elementary, but it's really not. But I truly believe God wants us to know this because in the coming days, as we may, we may experience different things, God wants us to remember that he loves us. That so no matter what takes place, nothing will shake us. Nothing will move us. Pastor Reese started the, uh, uh, we started Pastor Reese with, the, uh, with Pastor Reese Seeking God. We started a new series called God's Dynamic Character. And this series is really about, this series is about talking, this series is about talking, this series is, 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 is focused on talking about the Father, learning about who God is. And during the week I was studying, as I'm studying, uh, naturally when you read the Bible, you read it for yourself or you read it for what you can do to help yourself get better. And I'm reading and I'm, as I'm studying, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a tug like it, the, the series is not really about that. It's not really about making your life better. And that's good. It's good for us to hear messages, go to conferences and pray for God to make our life better. But God wants us to know this series is about him. Amen. Amen. It's about knowing about who he is, what he's about, his character. The Bible says this in Romans chapter one, that the invisible attributes of God, the invisible characteristics of God, they are known to mankind. They are well displayed all throughout this earth. You look at the sun, the moon, the stars. The best example of God is how perfect our body is made. Think of this. The human body is able to heal itself. The immune system, is, it, it, when, it's, when it's taken care of the correct way, when you eat properly, when you work out, the human body was made to sustain itself. This is why death to many of us is a mystery because we know we're not really supposed to die. We're not supposed to have surgery. Therefore, there's something more to this life. And that's God showing that, yes, there is. There's eternity, and I am eternal. And all throughout this world, we can see who God is. And Pastor Me started the message with talking about how God is um, fiercely loyal. God will never give up on you. God will never stop working with you. God will never stop walking alongside with you. And we see this with Israel. Time and time again, Israel is, is, is uh, they don't want God at the time. They walk away from God, and God draws them back. And then Pastor Meese continued with that message, the legacy of his loyalty, and we learned more about how God's loyalty or what God's loyalty is doing for us. And then I came with my message. And I just want to go over a few points, as I, uh, a quick, a quick, quick recovery as, um, as we're going. The first thing I said was that you've been made in his image and that you are to look at his identity. God loves us so much that he gave us his identity. He gave us what he looks like to, um, to us so that we can relate to him so that we can talk with him, so we can communicate with him. The best marriages, the best relationships comes when there's a healthy dynamic of relating. We have something in common. I mean, many people come to Winners Church because they have something with common with another person. You go to a school, you work at a job, or you live in a neighborhood many times because there's something in common there that you can relate to with that neighborhood. God is saying, I gave you my image, I gave you my likeness so that we can relate. That shows you how much I love you. It's all about you me, you relating. Me, you getting along together. You and I, that's why the Bible said that Enoch walked with God. He walked with him. That shows us how much God wants to be with mankind. Sometimes when you read the Bible, if you're not careful, it will come across like God is cold or distant. It will come across like God really doesn't care. What's happening is that we're taking our upbringing and we're using that as a lens to see who God is or see what God is about. And we have to be very careful. I want to encourage you today that with this message that I'm preaching and the message that Pastor Reese has preached, please see God as one who's relational and one God wants to walk with you and God is with you, God's upon you. The greatest example is he gives you his, his spirit. One of the greatest examples of love is when, a, that's why we, couldn't, we, we shouldn't really play with uh, uh, premarital sex because you're giving your body to someone. It's really meant for love. You get what I'm saying? Someone's, uh, when people see you naked, or, uh, uh, when a man inserts himself inside a woman and she receives that, that really should be done out of love. But Satan has come and twisted that. But that is God showing you how much I want the human beings to be entwined with one another. 
real, uh, 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 an example of love is when the two become one. And God is saying, once you became born again, I became one with you to show you how much I love you. And I love the scripture. He's given us the spirit by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit of adoption. Some, there are some Christians that believe that God can take his spirit from you. God cannot take his spirit from you because the spirit of adoption is on you. That's the proof that you have that you are a son and daughter of God. So why would God take that away from you? That's like you adopt a child. A child messes up. You tell the child, get out the house. You're finished. You cannot go to the adoption agency and do that. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Like you, you accepted this child. You better take responsibility for this child. So God will never take his spirit from us. Amen. The second thing I mentioned was that God, that you were created for relationships. That's what that's the primary purpose you were created. And uh, before I continue, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. Actually, there's a correction that I have to me I make something that I said last week that wasn't correct. Pastor, we checked me on it. And thank, thank God when we have leaders in the body of Christ who can check the, check us with our teachings. Amen. Thank God that we have people in the body of Christ who can help us and say, you know what, that's not, that wasn't said correctly, that's wrong, and we can go back and fix it. So I'm going to get to that, but so you're created for, the purpose you were, created, you were created is for relationship. God created mankind to have a relationship with him. God doesn't need a relationship. He doesn't, he desires a relationship, but God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything, but he desired to be with someone. Yeah. So he created you, and this is why you're here. Ooh, my God, the world truly belongs to God. It truly, truly, truly belongs to God. And God did all that he can to send his son to die for our sins so that he can buy back the world. The whole, the, the, every man, every woman born, every, every single person belongs to God. No matter what nation, no matter what ethnicity, I don't care if they're, they're, they're still in, 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 um, they're part of the, the tribes of old. I don't care if they're, uh, they're working with uh, artificial intelligence. I don't care if they're a billionaire, they're a millionaire. I don't care what their mindset is, their thoughts are. Every single person belongs to God, and God paid the price to get these people back. Why? Because I wanted a relationship. I wanted a friendship with mankind. That's why we've been created. And then the last point I brought out was that uh, his heart is open to your needs. God, uh, sometimes it feels like it, but God cares about your needs. What happens is that we're doing a battlefield of the mind. Well, if he cares, why am I going through this? But based on his word, he cares. Uh, if you look at the world, everything that we need is truly here already. Everything that we need is here. Every, if you take time, there's a woman in the Bible who, who was a widow. The Bible says that she owed the creditors some money. They were coming for her. She went to the prophet. The prophet said, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to take all that. You're going to take the oil that's inside of your home, and you're going to pour it into jars. That oil is going to multiply. You're going to sell that oil, and then from there you can pay off your creditors. So God is saying to us in his word that everything that you need, I've already provided inside the earth because my heart is open towards your needs. I care about your needs. I care when you're feeling down and out, you're feeling lonely. I, I hate to see that you're looking sad and you think I don't care, but I truly care for everything that you have need of. And I want to be there to help you. But what we have to do now, we have to make sure we don't get into doubt. Because once you get into doubt, you get into criticisms and you say, God, well, whatever. You begin to mock and laugh and say, yeah, we're, we're, I, I heard that before, but I'm not trying to hear that today. So God's heart is open to our needs. Amen. Now, today, after the Lord dealt with me about focusing on him, uh, uh, there's a scripture that comes from from First uh, John, chapter four, verse eight. Today's message, the title of today's message is the Father's heart. The Father's heart. God has a heart. Amen? God is not a statue. God is real. The Bible says in him we move and we have our being. God is, without God there is no existence, there is no life. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, I love this scripture. It says, he who does not love does not know God. For God is is love. This scripture is teaching us people who hate, they don't know God. People who say, well, you know what, we, a, a good example, I'm Republican, but uh, uh, I hate those Democrats. You don't know God. Yeah, you go to church every day or every Sunday. You may read your Bible. You may hang out with some Christians, but you don't truly know God if you have hate in your heart. If, if you think as a Christian, 
It's okay. Now, I know there's a lot of conflict going on with Israel and Palestine, but if you as a Christian are not really praying for peace and praying for there to be a reconciliation and praying for both Israelis and Palestinian people to get saved, then you truly don't know God because God's desire, because he is love, is for people to be saved. No matter nationality, the Bible says God is love. So that means that at his core, at his essence, is love. And that if, if the core is love, that tells us Everything that we have today is because of love. Amen. Take time to think about that for a moment. Everything we have, your existence, your marriages, your homes, every good and perfect thing has been, uh, has been created or has come from the foundation of love. Not from the foundation that God is powerful. He is powerful. He is merciful. He is an all-consuming fire. He is holy. He is great. But the, the basis of everything here today is that God is love. And the more we understand that, the more we're going to think differently about each other. We'll be more inclined to pray for one another. We'll be more inclined to help one another. We'll be more inclined to continue with one another. Sometimes as believers, we give up on each other too quickly. Amen. We're quick to cut each other off. There's no type of forgiveness or we are bitter towards one another. It's one thing if you say, you know what, you're toxic, I can't really be with you. But it's another thing to be, have bitterness and you're going throughout your days having negative thoughts about people. The Bible says that God is love. This is at his essence. Now, it's interesting, the Bible says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. But then it says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that gospel of the world that he sent Jesus to die for our sins. So which one is it? Is it he was manifested to destroy the works of the devil or he was manifested because God sold the world? Well, it's both. The revelation is that God used love to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he did. That's why the Bible said he took the foolish things of this world and confounded the wise. Things that, you know, no, you're not going to use love when somebody trying to rob you. Somebody got a gun out, I love you, man. And I'm, 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 I just love you. you. You can't do that. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to pull out your gun maybe, call some help. But when it came to the source of evil, which is Satan, the Bible says he, they call him the father of lies. When it, came, when it comes to the source of depression and suicide, when it comes to these demonic, diabolical, evil powers, God used love to destroy it. God used love to overcome it. How so? He sent his son to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus dying, Jesus paid with his blood. That was the sacrifice. That was the atonement that took sin away. And by there now we have power. The Bible says we've been delivered from the power of darkness. How we have been delivered? How have we been delivered? We've been delivered through the manifestation of Jesus. Why was Jesus manifested? Because God is love. You see how powerful that is? You see why Satan is working overtime so you don't walk in love? Love is the power. It's the basis. And when you understand God is love, you're going to feel a whole lot different about yourself. You're going to feel good about yourself. Could you imagine waking up? God loves me. They have said, I, I did some research on Mark Zuckerberg, and he said, um, I read an article on him many years ago. This was in Facebook, was growing. And um, when I read it, I was beginning to learning about the power of a wholesome home. It's good when people come from wholesome homes. And he said how his mother, his father, they were sociable. There, were no closed, there was a no closed door policy in their home. We're going to talk with each other. We're going to share secrets with one another. We are going to be good friends. And he took that concept of what he learned about being home, social relationships, and by then he used that as he, one of the motivators or one of the catalysts to help him start Facebook. But this shows you the power of a wholesome home, a home that is based off of love, a marriage that is based off of love, children that come from love. Amen? Because God is love. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Does anybody here believe and know the love that God has for them? Yes. 
And that's the thing I want to bring out. So last week I said, um, I made a mistake. I said God's love is not meant to be comprehended. It's not meant to be understood. It's meant to be received. I said that thinking that, you know, because sometimes some people, it's hard for them to receive God's love. But no, no, this scripture actually, this is one of the scriptures that um, um, it says here we have known and believed. So evidently God's love is meant to be known. That word known, amazingly, is more of an intimate uh, a feeling, an acquaintance. Like, I know Samantha. I know Pastor Maurice. Uh, uh, I've known Pastor Maurice since 2002. I know him. I know the food he likes. I know what he's into. I know Samantha. Samantha don't want her. her, her. One time, um, Christopher and Ethan left my house. They went to go walk to the basketball court by herself. And she didn't like that. <laughs> she did not like that at all. I know that about her, right? Amen. Uh, I, I, I know you, Asia, is into sound and computers. I know that about her. Being a pastor, I can find some things about her. I know something about each and every one of you. That's how we are to know God's love. I know he loves me, so he wouldn't lie to me. I know he loves me. I know he is love because, so I mean, I know he loves me and I know he is love, so he is fiercely loyal to me. He will never give up on me. So, I'm about to go in this job interview and I'm feeling these thoughts of being insecure and I'm feeling not too good about myself and I'm feeling they're about to bring up my past. Whoa, 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 that's not, that's not, that's, that's me. That, that's not God. Because I know God loves me and God is love. Or you know what? I'm thinking my husband doesn't love me. Maybe my wife doesn't love me and uh, we just had a big fight and this marriage is not, is about, oh no, whoa, 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 that is not, that is not coming from God. God loves me and he wants my marriage to succeed. This is coming from the enemy. Oh, you know what? My child is misbehaving and, uh, and so much is taking place in, in their lives. And this is just a, this is such a bad child. And, and, and you know what? I just uh, I'm, I'm just so frustrated because the way I was raised, I wasn't raised correctly. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad. And I really messed up. So now my child is bad. Well, well that's not me. That is coming from the enemy because God is love. And some of you may have different thoughts that may be attacking you. That may be trying to pull you down. They're trying to hold you down. They're trying to bring you into, uh, 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 what's this word called? Um, depression or isolation. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, we have known and believe the love that God had for us. Now, this is John talking, the same John who said, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. I find it profound. Out of all the writers in the Bible, this man had a profound revelation about the love of Jesus and the love of God. And I'm like, man, Lord, something, but I truly believe as human beings, there's an attack when it comes to love. Because God is love. Satan is trying to, I love what Satan, I love what God said to Satan when he's talking to Job. I mean, not Job, he's talking, I mean, God, God was talking to Satan about Job. The first day Satan attacks Job, he brings tornadoes. He brings all types of destruction. Let me tell you this to you, right? Many times we see destruction and we think automatically God is judging nations. It's not the truth. Based on some scriptures I'm going to read to you later, it's not the case. It's not always the case. Many times it's not the case. Most of the times it's not the case because God is love. There, God is a judge, but most of the time God is looking to save and bless and help nations. But he goes to, um, on a sec after, Job, after Satan attacks Job, the second day, Satan comes back. God said, where you been? I've been going, I mean, um, Satan said, I've been going to and fro. Uh, 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 God said, you consider my servant Job. And he said these words, seeing that you try to incite me against him. He acknowledged, Satan, you were trying to get me to attack Job. And he still held fast to his integrity. And then Satan's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, take away, touch his skin. Give him some cancer. Give him some tumors. And watch he, watch he forsake it to his face. But the thing I want to bring out is that God acknowledged what Satan was trying to do. Then when we find a revelation that these thoughts, these, neg these negative thoughts that are coming to our minds, many times they're trying to get us to separate us from the love of God. And God is love. If he's love, he's not going to want to separate from you. Do you find a tree getting up to walk around? I'm talking about the root here. We don't find trees getting up and walking around. We find trees staying at the root. God is saying love is at the root. So I'm not going anywhere. This is why he told Israel, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to be with you. Even though you don't want me. Even though you're worshiping other gods. Even though you're, 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 you're doing corruption. You're mistreating the poor. You're doing everything that I told you not to do. I am going to keep my legacy with you. Now here's something powerful. Man, I didn't even get to get to... Oh my God, this is so good. This is something... 
Um, uh, so I was talking to Pastor, and he showed me this one day. He said, you got to understand the whole purpose of God in Israel. The purpose of God in Israel was that God found a people group to bring the Savior through. And I began to think about that. I said, wait a minute. So God, who is love, chose Israel, stuck it out with Israel, helped Israel for one purpose and one purpose only. Of course, a, he's a, he has a covenant with them, but the, the, the main purpose was to bring the Savior through. I need a group of people on this earth I can work with to bring the Savior through. Why do you want to bring the Savior through? Because I want to save humanity. I need to buy back humanity. Humanity belongs to me. So it's possible God, the, the scripture doesn't say, he might have been looking and searching. He found Abraham. Abraham said yes, and then he went with Abraham. We know that he chose Abraham. We don't know if he was looking elsewhere, but we know he chose Abraham. He chose Abraham. Abraham was not a Jewish person. Abraham was just a man of faith. But through Abraham, he is the father of the, uh, of the Jewish people. But the reason Abraham is chosen God being love is for the only purpose of saving humanity. That's it. I want to save humanity. The Israel people have the, ha, had the purpose of bringing a Savior through. Now that the Savior is here, there's no Jew, there's no Greek. All are required to be saved. All are required to repent. All are required to be born again. God, who is love, started this whole thing because of love, chose the chosen people because of love, and is going to finish it because of love. The church is in existence today because of love. God is love. That's why, that's why there's a light here. The church is in existence today. Now, you may say, well, churches don't really show love. That's true. But forget about what churches are doing or not doing. Let's talk about the original purpose of the church. The original purpose of the church was to demonstrate, was to show the love of God. This is why he said that if he said the world is going to know who you are by the love that you have for one another, that love is my love. When you share my love with one another, they're going to see that and they're going to say we want that. The world is going to know when you're out there preaching the gospel, why it's so important for us to preach the good news. What is the good news? Jesus came to save the world. The good news is not living holy, though we should live holy. But the good news is, and we, we're not saying don't preach, don't preach that, but we have to focus on the good news. God died for the world. God um, was buried for the world, and God rose again for the world. That's why God came. That's why Jesus came, for the sake of the world, to help, to bless to sanctify. That good news is not just salvation. That good news also is now that you've been sanctified, you are now holy. I love you so much that I made you holy. I love you so much that you were dead in trespasses and sin, but now you are alive in me. I love you so much. This is why he talks about the holy bride, to present to himself a holy bride, one who is spotless, one who is blameless, one who is shameless. All that is done because of love, even holiness foundations can be found in God is love. God's wisdom can be found in God is love. Everything about God is in that one true fact. Um, for, uh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, for God is love. 1 John chapter 4 verse 16, and we know and believe that God, we know and believe the love that God has for us, for God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And I want to encourage you that when you wake up, this is why I said you're going to fall in love with his presence. God's presence is not there to... You know, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says this. I didn't plan to do this, but I got a, I got a good text from um, Pastor Sam encouraging me to just go with my heart. So I'm going to share this with you. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, it says this. The Lord has appeared to me of old. Uh, uh, Israel had been judged and now Israel is now living as exiles or they're living as slaves. They've just been, they've been scattered abroad throughout the earth due to judgment uh, of them rejecting God. And it says in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, the Lord has appeared to me of old saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. That love, that means that I have loved you with an unbreaking, unending, eternal love. Listen, you, 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 if I cheat on my wife, that love is going to come to an end, right? <laughs> it's over, honey. <laughs> she cheat, that love is coming to an end. I was talking to this guy at the gym. He's married to a Puerto Rican woman. I said, man, you married to a Puerto Rican woman? He said, yeah. I said, bro, you don't cheat on those, man. 
they put some rat poison in your food. They don't play, man. We just <laughs> just joking around. But no, it's serious. You know, you you uh, uh you 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 if you betray, it's expected that love is gonna come to an end. But God is saying, I have loved you, and it's I have loved you. And I'm letting you know that no matter what is taking place, though you're in exile because of your disobedience. Though you rejected me, though you worship other gods, you cheated, you stole, you, you took advantage of the widow, you raped, you pillaged, you did all types of evil, I'm loving you with a love that's unending. That's, that's something that can be hard for us to do, amen? And then it says this, uh, therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. With loving kindness, I have drawn you. God is not saying, I told you so. Come back to me right now. Now you better, you better get, you know, sometimes as parents, you know how parents do it sometimes when we correct our kids? I told you not to go over there. God's like, listen, welcome home. Glad to see you. I love you so much. I missed you. There's so much we need to go over, so much we need to talk. We need to rebuild the, the city. We need to do something to take care of some people. I love you. I'm, and the Bible says loving kindness, not loving annoyance, <laughs> not loving anger, loving kindness, love and kindness. Come walk with me. Let's talk. Let's get back where we need to get back. And this is how God, so this is why I say we're gonna, when God comes to us, he's coming with loving kindness. He's coming with loving kindness. I want to share this story with you. Uh, uh, this story hits home for me because uh, my parents are from Sierra Leone, and the neighboring country of Sierra Leone is Liberia. During the 1980s, up until maybe 96, 97, uh, Liberia and Sierra Leone were going through a lot of conflict. As a young child, I remember uh, hearing stories of family members being burned alive. Uh, 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 one of my, uh, my, my stepmother's nephew, he was, he was a child soldier. So it really hit home to me. Like, I can, when I hear the story, I, can, I know the, I, it sounds familiar because I heard this growing up. But there was a man by the name of General Butt Naked. Pastor Reese mentioned him before. His real name was Joshua or Milton Balahi, Joshua Milton Balahi. But over there, they called him General Butt Naked. And he, his, his birth was crazy. I mean, they go to his father. The mantle falls on his father. He's ordained as a priest. They tell his father, you need to bring a child. We say, I got a child already. They, they, they bring the child. They say, you can't have him. I mean, he's not, the mantle hasn't fallen on his child. Go get another child. They, he tells them, listen, you tell me who I, should, who I should marry, and I'll go get that child. And I'll, I'll have a, a, a baby with that child. Now, mind you, he was married already. They go take another woman who is married and say, listen, the mantle fell on you, and it's on him. You guys are going to get together, and you're going to give birth to General Butt Naked or Joshua Milton Balai. So now he is born. And he said that when he was young, his dad was training him to be a priest. For, hmm? Oh, sorry. Good, thank you. And not, a, not a Catholic priest. This is a, 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 an occultic priest. Uh, traditionalist, they call them sometimes. Or, uh, there's another name, but this is the, the, this is the priest of their tribe. And the, the, uh, the deity of that tribe was a deity called Nabiwe. It's some type of demon. So he said, he said that when he was young, his dad would give him gifts. Nabiwe loves you. Here's the gift from Nabiwe. He actually said that when we, as Christians... You should tell your children where all the blessings are coming from because when you do that at a young age, they'll grow up with an affection. And I'm going to explain to you why he said that because he said that he would beat kids up, he would hurt them bad, and his father would say, man, I'm so sorry, my child being bad to you, I'm going to discipline him. And he'll go home and say, very good, very good, good job. Keep, keep on, he, he, like, he really grew up in evil. So eventually, eventually at the age of 11, it's time for him to be introduced to this deity. In um, Sierra Leone, I mean, in Liberia, they go, and there's a rock there in Liberia, and at this rock, all the elders are chanting, the rock rolls over, he walks, into the, he walks underground, the rock rolls back over, and now he's underground. He said he sees this Nabiwe demon and said, though it is ugly, though it is huge, he said half, this is powerful, he said half of him looks good, but the other half looks bad. It's like a broken wing on this side, but this wing is fixed. And he said he limps like this. We said, though he was ugly and he was fearsome, I loved him because from young, they told me that this demon loved me. 
And he said, I want you to do anything for this demon. So the demon says, okay, listen, you're the priest. I want a child sacrifice every month. Uh, 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 if it's going to be a girl, you sacrifice one girl. If it's going to be a boy, you're going to sacrifice four boys um, uh, every month. He also said that um, in, in Sierra Leone, we, we in that, that part of the region of the world, we got this thing called kola nut. Has anybody ever heard of kola nut? Kola nut, you heard of kola nut before? No? You did, right? You heard it called, yeah. Bitter, they call it bitter, you, got, you, heard it, you heard it, you guys heard it before, right? Yeah, yeah. They call it bitter, bitter kola nut. The demon told them, never eat the kola nut because if you eat it, you're going to die. He gave him all these instructions. So from there, from age 11, he started making sacrifices. He's killing. He's astral projecting. He's uh, soul traveling. He's disappearing, reappearing. He's doing what he wants to do. He's really living a dark, demonic life up until 89 when the, cur the current president of Liberia named Samuel Doe, they didn't want him in power anymore. At this time, he's an older man now, and he's a young adult, and now he's a priest, and he's now ordaining men to go to war. There's a reason why I'm telling you this story, because um, it has to do with the love of God. Uh, he, uh, they go to war, and this is where the name General Butt Naked came from, because the demon told them, you're going to walk around naked. Like, so imagine Rosedale. Rosedale was there for in, in Monrovia, Liberia, and, and so imagine Rosedale, all the men are walking around naked. The women are not, but just the men. They're walking around, they're carrying guns, and they're just, they're, they run the area. And because the demon said that if you walk around naked, bullets are not going to be able to hit you. Now, we all know what the demon's doing. He's slowly deteriorating their minds and making them look crazy to the outside world. If you watch the movie Beast of No Nation, it has a little bit of that. That's actually Beast of No Nation, Beast of no Nation on Netflix comes from that. It's actually based on true, true facts on this story. So anyway, so they walk around butt naked. Finally, the war starts, and... They're killing, they're destroying. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's really, really bad over there. I mean, have you, uh, this is where the whole diamond conflict comes into play. Blood diamond, the movie, it, all of that is connected to that. So uh, the, uh, the war gets so bad that as a priest, they tell him, listen, we need you to turn yourself into a warrior and come fight for us. He said, I can't do that. I'm a priest. I'm not going to demote myself to come fight for you. He said, listen, Liberia is losing. We need you to fight for us. Okay, I'll demote myself. But the demon told him, if you go and fight, every time you go to battle, I want to sacrifice. And he said the same instructions. Girls, one body. Boys, four bodies. Every time he said, if you're going to fight for your people, go ahead and do it. But if you're going to go on the front lines, you have to make child sacrifice endlessly. And he goes ahead and do it. He said it got to the point where people in that region, people started hiding their kids. Because it got really bad. People were disappearing. It was really, really bad. So one day... Oh, let me tell you the story. He meets a Nigerian Ekamog. Ekamog is, uh, they're, uh, they're like peacekeepers from Nigeria in certain parts of Africa. He meets, one day he's naked, he has his gun, he meets this Nigerian soldier. And there's a, at this time the UN has um, organized peace, a, peace uh, a ceasefire between the faction and tribes. But he says, listen, uh, though there's a ceasefire, I need to get to the side of that bridge because the enemy has laid down his gun. His, the enemy's name is Charles Taylor. He's actually serving a prison sentence in America right now. His name is Charles Taylor. He said, if I go to this side, I'll be able to kill him. He gets there, and a Nigerian man is there. And he says, he's walking, and the man says, stop right there. If you don't stop, I'm going to kill you. He said, at this time, for the first time in his life, he experienced a Christian. Never before. And he's there, he's looking at the man, and the man says, he said, you know who I am? I'm General Butt Naked. I kill, I sacrifice, I do what I want. He said, I don't care who you are. Do not move. So he runs, but he said that this man is speaking under his breath. He's actually praying. But, and the man is unmoved. So he says, you know what? He said for the first time in his life, he felt real fear, and he backed away. So anyway, the peace, the peace talks, uh, the, the ceasefire ended. They're back to war again. But this time, Liberia is losing the war heavily. They're losing, they're losing, and everybody has hidden their child. So there's no children around to sacrifice. And the war is inching closer and closer. So there's a woman inside this place who says, she's, um, he explained the story. He said that the girl was beautiful, maybe eight years old. She's so beautiful, so innocent. And the woman says, the woman takes her child and says, please sacrifice my child so we can start winning the war. These guys really believe in the occult. They really believed in it. 
And he says, I can't because for the first time in his life, his conscience cuts him. He says, I can't do it. This girl is innocent. This girl is beautiful. Why? I don't want to kill her. And he's, he told them, listen, take the child back and find another child. They said, we can't. There's no other children around. Just, just take her. He's like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Finally, they convince him to do it. He does it. He sacrificed the child. He eats her heart. After he eats her heart, he's washing the blood on his hands. Mind you, the blood is on his hands. And he hears his voice in his dialect. My son, my son, why are you living like a slave? So he turns around, he sees a man suspended in the air with a white robe. He says, I'm not a slave, so I'm a king. I kill, I sacrifice. He said, you're supposed to be a king, but the one that, the one that is your servant is sitting on your shoulders. Remove him from your shoulders so he can be at your feet, and I'll make you a king. He says, I'm, not, I'm a king. He said, I tell men, he said, because he said at that time, if I point my finger, you're going to die. That's it. He said, whatever I wanted was going to happen in this region. And he's arguing with, the, with this thing that he called a deity. Really, it was Jesus. He's arguing with him. He says, you are, you are a slave. He said, this is what, this was, this was what I need you to do. He said, um, receive and repent, refuse and die. And he disappeared. Wow. Now, at this time, he's like, that's strange. He said, where's, my, where's, where's the demon I've been serving? He's supposed to come and rescue me. How come he didn't come and fight the other guy for me? He's like, this is, and this is where it gets interesting. He said, um, so in Liberia, mm -hmm, in Liberia, uh, uh, so if you watch um, Beast of No Nation, it, just as it looks, that's how it is, that's how it was over there. It was like an area where all these men are walking around naked. All of a sudden, a church comes in the middle of this place. Men and women are walking around, praying, singing praises to God. He's like, what in the world is going on here? This is, this is, this is, this is the naked, um, he said, this is the butt-naked commandos. Only butt-naked people are supposed to be walking around here. Why are they coming here with clothes on? But he said that for some reason he felt this peace towards them. He can't attack them. Uh, 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 to, go, to make a long story short, eventually a pastor encounters him and says, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to release that demon that you're, you're serving and give your life. He says, no, because the demon already told them, don't listen to Christians. You see Christians, kills them. So he says, no, I'm not going to do it. But yet he's still confused as into the, the man he saw suspended in the air. He can't let that thought go. Who was this man and why did he tell me I'm living like a slave? <laughs> he could understand that. <laughs> so then they tell him, listen, we're having a meeting. We want you to come. Come to the meeting. He said he's about to go to the meeting. And then for the first time since that encounter, the demon comes back. But this time he's crying. Why are you leaving me? I told you don't go. Stay with me. So he's like, this is weird. We worship somebody so powerful, but yet you're crying to me. I'm going to go to this meeting. He said when he went to the meeting, the demon fell back. That's a whole other thing. But he went to the meeting, and they said, listen, the, the priest, the, the pastor there told them, yeah, we walk in this type of power. We do healing. We do that. So he's like, yo, I want this power. I, I, I want that power. So he said, all you got to do is give your life. He said, no, nah, I'm not giving my life. <laughs> I'm not going to die for you. He said, you, you told me to come to you, but I'm not going to die for you. And he said that in that moment, the Holy Spirit ministered to him and told him, tell him to join us. Don't tell him to die for us. Just say, die for me. Just say, join. Because he's not, he's not understanding. So when he said those words, he said, yes, I'll give my life to Christ. The moment he gave his life to Christ, he went into a vision and he saw Jesus. Wow. And Jesus began to talk to him. Now, do you remember uh, at the beginning of the story, I told you the demon told him, do not eat bitter cola nut. Jesus told them the reason why the demon told you not to eat it because the cola nut in Africa represents friendship. If you refuse the cola nut, you're saying, I don't want to be your friend and it's time for war. And that's why there was so much war going on with these factions in that part of the world. You see that? You see how demons, are gonna, demons will work, evil spirits will work to bring separation between people? And Jesus said, go and tell everybody about this demon Tell them that I saved you and tell them that I've healed you and tell them that I love you. The reason why I told you the story is this. The reason why I told you the story is because 
his, word, his own words was, after I finish making a child sacrifice and there are bloods on my hand, Jesus comes to me and says, my son. He said, at this time, many generals were dying because these, when these Christians came to the place, they would pray and people would just die. They would just die. But he didn't die. He said, actually, they were praying for him to die. A woman came and said, don't pray for him to die. Pray for him to live. God has selected him for a, a specific purpose. And he ended up living. But the reason why I told that story because even in the midst, and, and this is something, you may not be doing child sacrifices, amen? <laughs> you may not be doing something that's so horrific, but no matter how grave or how small, God is love and he will never stop loving you. Amen. That's what he did for this man. Because of his love, he saved this man and turned the nation around. Now, this is, you look at it, you go look it up on YouTube. They, they killed, his, his tribe killed his entire family because he's a priest. And now you're not the priest for us no more. Our power, our money is all gone from us. What are we going to do? This is, this is, it, 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 it's so real that um, the Liberian government said he is not allowed to leave Liberia. He has to stay there. That's his punishment. You, we're not going to put you in. Go, go, and, you know, oh, you guys remember Betty? Anybody remember Betty? You remember? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. So Betty was like from Liberia. And I asked Betty about him and said, yeah, when I was a little girl, he would walk around naked. And after he got saved, he walked around shaking everybody's hand. But she was, a little bit, she was like, yeah, we, some of us don't believe it. But she said it's true. He did go around apologizing, um, giving money back to people, telling them how sorry he was. He really went and went through this uh, uh, on a mission field on um, reconciling and preaching the good news. But why was a man who was sacrificing children, a man who deserving of death, why was he able to turn his life around? Because of God's love. That's why Paul says something powerful, knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance. The goodness of God. The goodness is Jesus came and died for the sins of the world. That goodness leads mankind to repent. So point number one is the Father himself loves you. The Father loves you. And I'll bring that word out. It is the Father. God, the first time we see God in the Bible, we see him as a creator. We see him setting stuff up and we see him being a father to humanity. That's the first revelation we get of God. It comes from the book of Genesis. God it creates, he sets up and he's a father and he loves you. Yes, I know in the world today we don't have the best examples of fathers. Amen. But God is saying, I am the best and highest example. Actually, the father, me, I'm the origin of fatherhood. It comes from me. And you see what I did for Adam? I created Adam. I made an image of likeness. I gave him freedom. I gave him authority. I gave him a wife. I gave him pleasure. I gave him all these good things because that's what a father does for his children. Even sex, right? I, I, I tell my wife, could you imagine there was no pleasure in sex? And you just had to work to get a baby? You just you just humping and pumping and uh, 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 oh man I'm tired. Yo, are you trying to get a, you trying to get a woman pregnant, but she's not gonna get pregnant? Pleasure comes from God. But the reason why I bring that because God was so in love with us that He took time to get down to the little details of life to make sure that we would enjoy it. That's what a father does. You, I mean, we have parents here. What do you do for your child? You protect them. Some of us we baby our kids too much. <laughs> Some of, some of us, we let, our kids run, we, want, we let our kids run wild. But in you is this desire to protect your child, to keep your child. That's why Jesus said, you being evil, know how to give, good, give, give, good, I mean, give good gift to your children, how much more your heavenly father. That's why the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from him, the father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Every good and perfect gift. I mean... I believe in that day when we meet the Lord and we stand before him, you're going to be shocked at how many times he was here, he was there, he was helping, he was setting up. You're going to be so surprised how God was with you all the way. And you're going to say, man, what they were saying in church was true. God really does love me. He really cares about me. And you'd understand why the enemy is trying to get you to believe or doubt God's love for you. Satan, that's his job. He has no love in him. He has no care. There are people in the occult 
when they worship and they worship Satan and they find out the truth about the occult, they are devastated and shocked. They think love comes from evil. Love doesn't come from that. Love comes from one source, and that is God. God is the source of love. And I want to let you guys know, I don't care what happened in your upbringing. I don't care what took place. The Father is the Father who heals the broken hearts. God is the God who heals the broken hearts. No matter what is taking place in your life, taking place in your relationships, taking place in your friendships, taking place at jobs or your, your, your businesses or in your community, God the Father is the Father who heals broken hearts. This is so important to know. So as you're going about, and let me tell you why, because the Bible says in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, that those who know their God will do great exploits. Those who know their God will do great exploits. Those who know the Father. Many times people are losing because they don't know God. Many times people are going through heartache and pain because they don't know God well enough. And God is saying, you want to do great exploits, you want to be great, you want to accomplish, you want to achieve, get to know me because in me is you. And in me is the love that I have for you. You see how that works? That's why Daniel, from Daniel, this is what the Bible says about, um, and which is going to bring me to my next point about the father's love. The Bible says that David had committed a great sin. And this, with the sin that he committed, the prophet came to him. What the sin that David did was that he, uh, he did a census when he wasn't supposed to do a census. And because he did that census, God said, choose for yourself three judgments. Choose one out of three. And he gave him the three judgments. And the Bible says, did I do it again? I think I did. This is craziness. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he, gave, he said, okay, the first judgment, your enemies are going to pursue you. The second judgment is I'm going to judge the land. And the, the, the third judgment, I don't quite remember that. Forgive me for that. But this is what he told God. He said, I would rather fall in your, the hands of your mercy. I would rather fall in the hands of your mercy. Why would he say that? He said, because I, if I fall in the hands of men... I don't know what they're going to do to me, but if I fall in the hands of you, I know that you're a loving father and you're going to be merciful towards me. Amen. But why did he say that? Because he had an understanding of who God is. People are suffering in life many times because they don't know how much the father loves them and how much the father is merciful towards them, how much the father cares about them. There's a man by the name of Chobi. Chobi. Chobi was a man who was part of the triad uh, mafia or uh, the triad gang that's located in East Asia. Chobi says that he grew up in a good home. However, because his father, his living father, was abusive, he said his father was the most violent man that he knew. His father would beat him endlessly. So because of how his father was, he ended up looking to the gangs for protection. And to him, True love was protection from the gangs. The gangs said, we'll protect you. We'll look out for you. We will help you. We're going to be there for you. You go to jail, we got your back. So because of this, Chobi says he joins a gang, the triads, and he begins to work for the triads. He also said that um, he realized school wasn't working, so his life and his career will be with the triads. So he says this, he says that he dropped out of school and began to work closely to his master or what he called a dio. Um, I, I believe I'm pronouncing it right. The dios were the, the, they, they were, they were the leaders in the organization of the triads. He said, this was my father figure. He cared for me. He looked out for me. And he lives a life of crime. And his mother's a believer, says to him one day, if you ever get in trouble, I want you to say the name of Jesus. And she would try to encourage him, but he said, listen, Jesus is not going to work me out there. In the, the name of Jesus won't work me out there in the streets. My gang, the triad, that's the name I'm going to call on when, when I get in trouble. One day, he finds out that his girlfriend that he has is cheating on him. 
So he says, okay, he calls his girlfriend, that guy that's cheap, that you're sleeping with, I know him personally, he's a triad, he's not supposed to be sleeping with you, tell him to meet me and we're going we're gonna to get to it. And you know, and when, amongst these, um, these Asian gangs, they, they use knives when they're fighting each other. These guys are crazy, man. They be butchering each other. And, man, it be, it be bad. But um, uh, 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 they get their knives ready. They're going to go meet this guy to go fight him. His mother says, his mother says to him, I have a sense you're going to die if you go back there. The Lord told me to pray for you. It's okay, mom. And mom prayed for him. Uh, at that time, a friend gave him a book. Oh, by the way, I, I forgot to mention this. He doesn't know how to read at all because he dropped out of school. But a friend of his who he grew up with gave him a Bible as he goes back to Malaysia to go fight this guy. And as he opens the Bible, he can't read, but the words, in three days, I'm going to heal you, jumps up out of the Bible. He sees these three words and he says, well, God, my mother told me about you. If you are real, I need you to heal me because I'm really, really angry about what took place. And I need you to heal me. On the third day, when he's in Malaysia, he said the anger left him completely. Uh, uh, and he doesn't want to fight the guy anymore, but it's too late. The wheels have already been set in motion. He's at the restaurant. They're having a good time. They're drinking. His friends say, yo, the guys that we got, got, a, got beef with, that's them. That's, that's them right there. He's like, nah, man, we just spent a whole bunch of money on drinks. Let's just chill for the night. They're like, nah, we, there's no chilling. <laughs> Time to put that work in. Anyway, they, they get, they, they, these guys come to the restaurant. They see them. They get into a big brawl. He ends up damaging the guy. One of the guys, he damages their face really, really bad. Uh, the next day, they get with their leaders, and they're trying to defuse the situation. So he's summoned to go down to this hotel and meet with these guys, uh, meet with the the. Uh, the the rival gang that he met, one of the guys that he messed up his face, like 30 of them, and he, meets, he has to meet them. He said that he's, on that he's waiting for the elevator, and behind him there's a group of guys. He knows these are the guys that, that are part of that, that, that guy that he, he hurt. So he's like, oh boy. The elevator opens, and there's more of those guys. And he's like, oh boy. And he says that, but they don't know it's him. He gets on the elevator, and the last person to walk off the elevator is a guy whose face that they damaged. And he said, at that point, I can feel the spirit of death. I can feel the spirit of death. The guy turns around, pulled out, pulled out his butchering knife. Hey, yeah, yeah, remember me? He says, Jesus. The guy, pulled, the guy goes to cut him, and someone who is outside the elevator grabbed the guy's hand in the nick of time. And says, wait, we're going to try to defuse this. Let's talk about this. And the elevator door closes. And he said, oh, my God. For the first time, he knows about Jesus. Now, you would think, I mean, he, he filled the power of Jesus. You would think that after this happens, he's going to change his life. But no, he doesn't do that. He continues, right? like most Christians, right? <laughs> he continues. But this time, he has an overdose in the club. He's taking all these drugs. He's overdosing and he's dying. He said, I can feel my breath leaving my body. And his friends pick him up like, yo, we got to get you out of here. And he says, Jesus saved me. Within an instant, he said that the overdose, the high, everything left him. And he stands to his feet and his friends are like, yo, you okay? He said, yeah, yeah, I think Jesus just saved me. And they're like... You know, like, you know, these guys are East, Eastern Asian gangs. They're like, Jesus? Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You know, they're worshiping different deities over there. They're like, he didn't, what, what's going on here? So no, he did. He really did. Now, you would think that he would change his life, but he didn't after that. <laughs> he continues. This time, he gets into a car with his friend. The next day, something told him to put his seatbelt on. He says, um... He put a seat. Now, he said, over there in Asia, you don't really have to obey the laws. Or there's not really laws that tell you to put your seatbelt on like here in America. So he puts it on. His friend said, why are you putting your seatbelt on? You never drive with a seatbelt. He said, nah, I feel to do that this time. I think you should put it on, too. He said, okay. They put it on, and his friend is zooming. He's going fast down the street. I mean, zooming. And he's, now he says, I know I'm about to die. Because the way he's driving, we're going to die. And he said, in that moment, he closed his eyes, his life flashes before his eyes, and he says, he said, um, there's nothing good in my life. 
He said, I've been living a life of crime. He said, I'm going to hell. He said, what do I have to show for myself? Eventually, the car hits a bump. He said he can feel the car tumbling. He wakes up. When he wakes up, he's upside down. And he's in, there's a, a pole has gone through the car. And the pole is like this. His head is like this, and the pole is here. Upside down, there's a pole through the car, and his head is here. And he's like, and he's like, oh my God, Jesus just saved me. He looks at his side, his friend is catching a seizure. He's dying, basically. He goes to his friend. His friend's like, tell my mom I love her, tell my dad. He's, like, he's trying to talk, like, no, you know, he, he tries to help him. Um, eventually, he prays for the man in that moment, and that man lives. Now he's, aw- now he's aware. He's like, you know what, there's something more. This is his words. I'm now realizing there's more to this life than meets the eye. Something, there's something to this. Eventually, he gives his life to the Lord, and the Lord tells him, go and tell everyone about me, and you need to go to your triad leader and tell him you're no longer serving him, and you're now serving Jesus. And that's important to do in a gang because you can't just leave a gang. He went there, he told the, uh, the triad leader, and now he's preaching the gospel, an amazing story. But why did I bring that up? Because God had mercy on this guy three times. Why? Because the original point I made to you is that God is love. And because he's love, he loves you. But because he's love, the second point, the Father is merciful towards you. I know in our world today, we think God is looking to judge people. We've been taught that. And let me tell you something. There, there is a revelation that God is a judge. There is a revelation that God, is, that God has wrath. But the revelation that God wants us to focus on today and until we leave this earth is that God is love. He said this, come to the throne of grace, which is a real place, by the way. The throne of grace. That word grace means the throne of acceptance, the throne of rewards. But he said, come to this throne because at this throne, you're going to be able to obtain mercy. Why am I saying that? He said, obtain mercy. I looked that up. Obtain is an action word. Am I, action, am I correct? Action verb? It's an action verb. So it's something that you have to do. So I said, oh, wow. So when I go to the throne of grace, I'm just taking something that's already there. I'm just taking mercy. So what that means is that when I wake up in the morning, God, thank you for your new mercies today. When I go to bed at night, thank you for your mercies. When I go throughout my life, no matter what mistakes I have made in my life, Father, thank you for your mercies. No matter what is taking place, no matter what I think I want to do or I'm planning some type of evil. Now, this is not, a, 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 this is not permission to live a lifestyle that's in disobedience to God or live a lifestyle of sin. But this is a, this is a, a, I want to give you this understanding that you will never allow sin, trespasses, Anything you have done wrong to be a weight on your shoulder. Because he said, come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy. Then he said, not just obtain it, but you're also going to find help. It says, come, obtain, find. Three action words that's on our part. But the amazing thing is that it's made readily for you. It's already there. The mercy is there. The help is there. The strength is there. Rewards are there. Benefits are there. Why are they there? Because I am love. Because God the Father is love. Mercy is already there. Benefits are already there. Rewards are already there. Everything good about me is here. You just need to take and receive it and accept it for yourself. Amen. You need to take and receive it and then share, share it with the world. You need to take and receive it and then let this be your mantra. Let this be the way you live, the same way that at my core is love, the same way at your core should be the Father loves me and I love him. The Bible said when Solomon was born that he loved Solomon. He loved him. Though he was a child born out of disobedience or born out of sin or it should not have, it should not have happened. The union between Solomon and Bathsheba should not have happened. But yet when he's born, God is sending a picture that I put away your sin I'm, I'm moving forward, and I now love you. That is my focus. That's what I'm looking to. 
And God wants, when his church and God wants the world to know that I am love, I love you, and my mercy is towards you. This may seem elementary. This may seem redundant. But there's a reason why God wants, to know, God wants us to know this about his character. I find it powerful that, but it makes sense now as I read, Moses has this encounter with God. First of all, God delivers the children of Israel. After he delivers them, he tells Moses to come up, let's talk for a little bit. Moses come back and the children of Israel have made a, 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 a statue for themselves and they said this statue we have made is going to take us back to Egypt. God says, you know what, I'm tired, so this is what's going to happen. I'm, gonna take, um, I'm not going to go with you, but my angel is going to go with you. And then um, um, Moses began to intercede for the children of Israel saying, no, 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 we want you, I want you to go with us. And then he, uh, in that encounter, Moses says, show me your way and show me your glory. And then, and that's in Exodus chapter 33, but in 34, God says, I'm going to proclaim the name of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate one, the merciful one, the loving one. And every time I see that, why is God talking to a military leader, the leader of a people, a prophet of the people, a priest of the people, one who's leading the people? Why he's giving a revelation of he, that he is love and merciful? Because he wants the people to know that this is what you're going to need to move and conquer the earth. You're going to need to know that I love you. You're going to need to know that I'm with you no matter what takes place. You're going to need to know that your self-esteem, your low self-esteem is small when it compares to my love for you. How you feel about yourself, your trauma of the past, and all the negativity you have experienced is small in the love that I have for you compared to the love that I have for you. Now, I'm not saying ignore your, your trauma. I'm not saying don't go to therapy. Thank God for all these natural things. But God is saying the best thing that's going to heal you, the best thing that's going to cause you to rise up, the best thing that's going to cause you to overcome is remembering and knowing and understanding that I love you. Wait, look at the, the best example. You ever seen these guys who like, they, 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 uh, what's this word called, man? They're conceited. And maybe they come from a rich family. They have a father or a mother who's very powerful. But why are they conceited? Because where I come from, the name I carry holds weight. So I'm going to walk in a bank. I remember being in a bank. Uh, these kids from um, Japan, my God, man, they used to have money. Japan and Korea. Because they were coming from um, Pratt Institute. Wow. Well, huh? Oh, yeah. When I worked in a bank, I was a bank teller. And as a bank teller, some of these kids from Pratt Institute... Uh, uh, it was the bank located in Clinton Hill, Citibank, and they were just coming, and you would see their bank accounts. But they had a confidence about them because they knew who was behind them. They knew who was walking with them. They knew who to call when they, need, when they had help. There's some people in this world today, they have this, uh, uh, you, you see, look at this guy, Kim, Kim Jong-un. I mean, his father before him was a terror. But you, you, you can see that attitude. They don't care about anything because of what they believe is backing them. And God is saying that there's something greater back in you. Oh, man. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. He said this. I remember Pastor Mitch taught you. He said that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. No, no. Sorry. He said that. As, I'm sorry. Wrong scripture. No. As he is, so are you in this world. As he the Father is, so are you in this world. And the Father is saying that I love you so much that I have given you of myself. I've given you my love. I have transformed you. I made you as myself. There is nothing in this world that can stop you or get into your way. I deal with this sometimes too, where sometimes my upbringing can affect how I'm thinking and how I'm moving. It may cause me to make some decisions or be hesitant with some decisions. But what do I have to do? I got to always remember that God the Father himself loves me. He loves me. If you believe that God loves you, I want you to say that right now. Say the Father loves me. God loves me. God loves me. I mean, say it like you really mean it. God loves me. He is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's going to help me. He is guiding me. 
He directed me. I want to leave you with this quote by Bill Johnson. Um, God joyfully, God joyfully, the Father joyfully makes himself vulnerable to the desires of his people. The Father joyfully makes himself vulnerable to the desires of his people. With that being said, it's okay to have some desires. God is making himself vulnerable. And the Bible says this, as promised, he will give you the desires of your heart. Amen? I want you to write about it, heads.